Hello and welcome to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. My name is Dave Deal. This is the podcast for the side cash hustler. If you want insights, real life experience from people just like you on how they started creating side income, you are in the right place. Documented experiences of people creating a few hundred dollars to extra tens of thousands of dollars a month. Make sure to subscribe and review. This means more than you know. Also, feel free to check us out at selfreliantwealth.com. Before we jump into the episode, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Self Reliant Wealth Podcast. My name is Dave Deal. Today's interview is going to be a lot of fun. This is a gentleman that I actually went to high school with back in the day. Uh, to be able to watch where he has come from, what he has built, and now he's currently living out his dream. Um, he's got a beautiful family, a brand new baby. Um, and honestly, this is probably one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard and probably one of the most positive people. Uh, the way that his mind works and the way that he's trained his mind to work is something that we can all take some serious, valuable lessons from. Uh, without further ado, Mr. Michael Huggins, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, what's up, Dave? Thanks for having me out here. What's up, everyone? I love real estate and I love permaculture. I will talk your ear off about both of these things. Um, so I, I grew up in Salt Lake City. Um, I'm the oldest of four. I was raised by a single mom. And, uh, and so growing up and, and watching work and economic activity, all I saw was you got to go to college and then you got to get a full-time job. And so she was doing both as a single mom. And that was just tough. It was tough on everyone. And so I wanted something different. I really wanted a lot of something different, but if you don't have a plan, you just resort back to what the examples were. So I went to, I went to school, got good grades, got into a college, I got a degree. And then I graduated in 2008 with that degree and ready to go into the job force, not knowing that there was an economic collapse happening in 2008. And, um, and so I ended up uh, getting the dream job for about three months. It was at a Ford dealership. I, I had all this debt and student loans. I had a bunch of debt on tools. I was ready to work. And they laid about half the people off. So um, I still had all that debt and all that money to pay back. And so I ended up having to get two jobs just to replace the income that that job was gonna provide. And I had to um, give up our, our place where we were living and move into my girlfriend's mom's unfinished basement. So we basically lived in a concrete block um, and I had staped up some sheets, stapled up some sheets so that I could have a little bit of privacy. Uh, it was a one bathroom house and so I'd all, it was just really awkward, um, uncomfortable. And it was like, what, what am I doing? I was working 70, 75 hours a week and I was like, well, wait a minute. I worked so hard to get here and I don't have any time. Here, here was the even worse part about it. So I worked from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's a lot of hours. My wife was a manager at FedEx doing their, their quality assurance program. And she worked from 3 a.m. until about 10 a.m. Yeah. So by the time I got off of work, she was already in bed. And by the time she, by the time I got up, she was already out of the house. So I would literally see her one day a week. And uh, it was not fun. We were, we were living off of other people's generosity. My mom was paying my cell phone bill. I was riding a bike to work. And I was like, 
I was all the way pissed off. I mean, you can't, you can't see my hands off the screen. I was this pissed off about what was going on. Cause I was like, I show up every day to work with a great attitude. I work hard. I'm honest. Why am I, why am I behind on my promises, my bills? And why is this debt getting higher? Even though I'm making payments, I was, I was out of ideas. And so maybe some people out there can relate to that. Um, and I, I needed a big change. So I got a third job. Okay. My grandpa had a, a little handyman company. So on Sundays and Saturday afternoons, I would go and hang drywall with him. And so I, then now I'm working seven days a week, 70, 80 hours a week. And um, I was not living a life. It was embarrassing. Did you ever make big promises while you were dating to your girl? You're like, sweetheart, we're going to live in this beautiful house. We're going to have these cars. We're going to wear these clothes. We're going to eat this food. None of that was happening. And I felt like a big liar. Um, yeah, it sucked. It, it, it was awful. So How did sad. you deal with that? Uh, well, at, my strategy at that time was video games. I would just try to escape with some video games and like try to not deal with reality. I could control the guy on the screen, but I couldn't control my life. And so I went into this false sense of control um, and I was drinking a lot of beer also, which was, you know, another form of escape and just being, just wasting, wasting time, wasting everything, wasting energy, wasting talent. And um, I was, I was complaining one day to grandpa, we were at lunch and he would always get the newspaper and we would do the crossword puzzle at lunch. Right. So, um, on the newspaper, I flipped through and I started looking at houses because I'm like, I hate living in this lady's house, right? Like she's so generous and nice. And I'm just like, she sees me working hard. So she was never like guilting me about anything. She knew I was working hard, but like after two years, still in the basement, like something's got to change. So I'm looking in the newspaper and the for sale by owner section is 2010. And I'm hearing about people now doing fix and flips and stuff. And like some real estate is kind of coming back. And I was like, if I could just get like a rent to own situation or something. And I see a little teeny tiny ad in that real estate section about a real estate investing group there locally in Salt Lake City. And I was like, they do, they do it in groups. Um, Cause I had seen infomercials before you're up late, you know, 2am not sleeping. And I'd seen those infomercials by the book for $30 and we'll teach you how to flip houses. And I ended up doing that. I did buy one of those books. I had like 40 bucks in my bank account and I used 30 of them for the book, man. So, you know, it was like, uh, it was broccoli and bread that week for me at lunch. <laughs> but I got the book and I remember reading the book at on the lunch breaks at the shops. I was working at a Jiffy Lube and a Sears and they were making fun of me for reading the book. I would like go out and uh, at the lunch bench and I would read this book about real estate. And it was like opening my brain about like, you know, the, my surroundings, the people that I surround myself with were affecting how much money I could make. What an I, what a concept. I never heard of such a thing. And so I started distancing myself from those people and not, not the, not even, not, I stopped the complaining because I started learning about, you got to take control, but I mean, you can only learn so much from a book. So then when I saw that ad about, there's a group of people doing it. I decided to show up. So um, 
you know, when they were talking about the kind of people you spend time with really influence your results, I thought, these are the people I need to spend time with. Whoever's doing real estate, because people are making, I've seen people making 50 grand on a flip, right, on these infomercials and stuff. And here I am barely making 30 grand in a year at two jobs. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll learn how to do this. Even if I just do one a year, come on. So, um, but I had no idea how to do that. I could hang drywall and I could do math. I'm, I'm good at math, but I wasn't, I didn't have good people skills. I was yelling at cars. If something wasn't breaking, you just get a hammer and you come on and breaking that nut loose. And, you know, you yell and yell and yell at it. I didn't have any people skills. So, um, but I, I, I had a huge desire for a better life. And so I showed up to this workshop and started learning about real estate. Um, they taught me how to knock on doors. And I was like, wait a minute, you just knock on doors? You don't have to buy billboards? So I started knocking on doors and finding leads. And I found this, this uh, homeowner that had just lost their job and they were behind on their payments. And I was like, I've heard about your situation and I can help. Not knowing actually how to help. But I knew that the people I was hanging out with knew how to help. So I booked an appointment, brought one of, those, one of the investors over, and they showed me how to get properties under contract and help people at the same time. And I thought, hallelujah, I found a way to help people and make money because that's what I want to do. I didn't want to make money at the expense of people. Um, I had heard too much growing up in the poor household that rich people were evil, rich people were bad, rich people were jerks. But I also met a lot of poor jerks. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. is it really money that's making people jerks? And so in learning that I could make money and help people, I got hooked. I got the real estate bug, as they say. And, um, and so it took me about nine months to replace my income with real estate activities from the job income. And that whole time, haters, all the haters, everyone talking smack. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. You're stuck here with us. I mean, some of the people work at Jiffy Loop for 20 years and I was making the same money as them. It was, it, that was scary enough, right? Yep. Had to make a change. And, uh, and so back, back then, um, at the end of 20, 2010, I flipped property. I made more in, a, in that deal than my yearly income at the first job. So I quit that job. We closed another deal the following month, quit the second job, closed another deal the third month, started paying back my debts, felt amazing. And, um, and now I've just, I've just continued down that path. I've tried all kinds of different real estate, short sales and fix and flips and wholesaling and lease options and seller finance notes and tax liens and deeds. And now I'm doing uh, a big land development project and some short-term rental tiny houses. So all, all that has transpired in the last decade. Um, I've got to keep a lot of promises now with my with the then girlfriend, now wife, um, which is also amazing. I bought her her dream car a couple years ago. Um, we bought some amazing houses and uh, taken her on trips. I got to send her and her friend on a month-long trip to Europe and uh, for her birthday. That was amazing to be able to provide that for her. And just playing catch up on all the all the promises I made when we were dating, and um, and now we have a little baby boy, and uh, I'm excited about what the future holds. I love it, man. And you you truly have such an amazing story. And I think one of the things that you know I take from this conversation first is just 
it didn't happen overnight, right? You, you struggled through day in, day out until you started picking up pieces and those pieces turned into a bigger picture and that bigger picture over a decade has led to what it is now. Um, what advice would you give to somebody just starting out, whether it's starting a business, starting in real estate, what advice would you give them to just, yeah, I mean, coming from you now, knowing what you know now, thinking back, what would you share? So I got three things that come to mind. The first one is, um, I'll wrap it in a little story. Okay, so how I met my lovely wife was actually through the video games. So that was, that was what we would do to escape, right? She would either stay up later, I'd get up early and we'd play a little bit and then, you know, uh, try, to, try to live some semblance of a life. But we met through video games. I remember uh, I was 16 and I heard a girl's voice. It was just Xbox Live came out and I heard, I was like, girls play video games? I'm in love. <laughs> just so happened to be, she lived 15 minutes away from me. So we, we set up an arrangement. Uh, Actually, one of my friends stole my phone, pretended to be me and set up a date and then gave me my phone back. And I didn't know. And he dropped me off and he's like, you see that car over there? There's a girl over there ready to meet you. And I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, uh, so I fell in love with her and we were playing video games, went off to college, kept playing video games, got back, kept playing video games. And then when I decided I'm going to change my life, I took that damn Xbox, which I was so grateful for because I met my wife through this. And I made a huge bonfire out by the Great Salt Lake out in the, the desert. And I threw that in there and I watched it turn into green flames and melt into oblivion. And then I smashed my TV, shot it with a shotgun. And so my advice is get rid of the false sense of control. Now for me, it was video games, other people. Oh, I also stopped drinking. Uh, so that's gonna be it for other people. It might be shopping as a false sense of control. Um, you know, going to bars, social media, uh, these things are a false sense of control. It's like hours of consumption of something else. TV, right? The average American watches five hours of TV. What a false sense of control that is too. Step number one, get rid of that false sense of control. The second thing has got to be personal development. You have to learn a new language, right? I got, I got A's and B's in English the whole time going through school. I thought I knew how to speak, but when I started hanging around entrepreneurs and business owners, they are two different categories of language. And I didn't know that. I was in self-sabotage with my old language. And so I picked up a new way of language that self-empowered and then also encouraged everyone around me to be better. Um, no more complaining, no more blaming, no more justifying. If I can't accomplish something when I said, I just say sorry and I do better. I don't make any excuses. I don't blame someone else. And so, so step number two would be personal development and cleaning up the language that, uh, that the average people around you are using. You can't use average language and get an extraordinary life. And then number three is um, value relationships over money. I didn't get that at first. I did not have a good example of that growing up. Single mom. She spent all this time at college so she could learn how to make more money. And then she spent all that time at her job for money. So she would put us in daycare and this and that and babysitters. And so so my experience through you know growing up was watching people use all their time and sacrifice relationships for money. 
And, you know, it, 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 it's tough because there's like this justification inside that of, well, I got to get this money so that I can take care of you. But there are so many other ways that people need to be taken care of than just money. And so um, when I learned about if I'm going to make more money, I have to maintain and honor relationships more than money and money will keep coming. That's what I kept seeing in these circles of investors and business owners is the reason they got into investing in business ownership is because they wanted more time with their loved ones, not for more money. They use that money to buy back the time. And when the light bulb clicked on there, the time and, and people became more important than money. My life really smoothed out. It really became easy to build my business because I started attracting people that also thought that way. So there's my top three for you. I love it. Going along that, I've got two more questions for you. The first one, you know, again, going back to the, the timeline of all of this happening, it didn't happen overnight. What kept you going day in, day out? What allowed you to see the bigger picture or did you see it? Did you know it, what was possible or did you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and that map started to unfold? What, what kept me going was I learned about vision boards. And I had one dog and I really liked dogs, but I was so poor, I could not afford a second dog. So I put a dog up on my vision. I want another dog. Um, I put a car up on my vision board because I was riding my bike to work. In fact, it wasn't even my bike. It was my little brother's bike. <laughs> so, oh man. Vision boards, vision boards were so important because um, whatever you focus on, is what expands whatever your energy goes towards is what is going to come to fruition and so when i got rid of the video games it was like all right what am i going to look at now i'm not looking at tv anymore in fact i didn't get a tv for seven years after that uh and then just recently i got a tv because um well i call it a display monitor because it's for tax i can write it off on my taxes i hook up my computer to it and do work on it now <laughs> It's a display monitor, but, um, but getting rid of the TV and, and then putting something else in my visual field, a vision board, so that when I was at work and people were talking smack and, you know, making fun of like, oh, there's that guy who thinks he's better than us because he's trying to build a business and get out of here. Oh, there's that guy. I, I mean, at Jiffy Lube, everyone smokes cigarettes. I, and I quit smoking cigarettes too. And they're like, oh, you think you're better than us now? I mean, if you can't handle that kind of judgment, you're not going to get rich or at least become financially independent because the haters out there are going to go in and try to drag you down. Because if you go and make more money than Joe Schmo over here, you're going to make him look bad to his wife who he's behind on his promises to. <laughs> so, you know, he doesn't want to look bad. Um, and so, so having the, um, so that would be one, the visual, reminders of what I'm working towards. I want a dog, I want a house, I want, I want a car, um, and then I want a vacation, right? So I put these, just a couple really vivid pictures um, up on, on walls where I would be. I put one on my ceiling. So when I woke up in the morning, I would see it on my ceiling. I put one in the living room. So every time I walked in there, I put one in the bathroom taped next to the mirror. So I would see it every time. Uh, I put one, when I finally did get a little car, I put one in the rear view mirror so every time I looked there, I would also see the things that I'm going towards. Uh, you kind of have to program yourself that way. And then the second thing is find a community of people who are also working and striving towards that. 
right? Like even if it's only online for a little bit, a phone call, a group community call, a once a month meeting or something, uh, having a group of people that are that are focused in that um, gave me a lot of strength to stand up while people were talking smack. Uh, and Jim Rohn, one of my mentors would say, sometimes you just have to put on your mental earmuffs and just tune everybody out because uh, they don't have what's best in mind for you. You do. So associations and visualizations to wrap that up. Awesome. So this last question is one of my favorites. Um, I ask it pretty much every episode. And this goes into really, you know, more of the, the depth of, uh, of the heart and soul. So the question is, if you were given one more day to live, and this was your last moments on, on this physical earth, how would you leave your legacy or what would your legacy be? What advice would you give to your loved ones, to the people that you mentor and talk with? What would be your parting words of wisdom? Wow. You ask that on every episode? Yep. Okay. Um, it would be take care of the earth, take care of people, and invest your profits in the first two. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, there was a time in society when money – we, when money wasn't a thing and people, you know, thrived inside of communities where they took care of people, right? If, if, if a house burnt down or something, everyone would, would gather around that and they would build off a house in a day or two. No big deal. Now we got to have these insurance policies and this and that. And it's like getting back to people care, earth care, right? We got to clean up this plastic, man. This is, this is a mess. So being a part of the solution around earth care and people care. Um, and then all the dividends that come from those activities invest back in those two things. Because if the people ahead of us didn't do that, then you and I wouldn't be here. Yep. And so it's our, it's our duty and responsibility to, to the, the evolution of the genes and everyone else, all of our ancestors for however many generations, un, untold generations, and how hard they had to fight and survive to get to where you and I can just hop on a Zoom, hop on a podcast and do this. I mean, that's to honor that we have to make sure that the earth is taken care of and the people around us are taken care of. Um, and uh, so that would be part of it. And I guess the other part would be around fear and this concept of fear and how Fear is a manifestation of the misuse of the two major gifts we have. The gifts being, other than like the bodies that we're in, we're nothing, no different than any other animal. But the two gifts we have are memory and imagination. Those two things are what make sure that we're not animals, right? <laughs> um, because everything else that we do is the same as an animal, except for memory and imagination. And so fear is allowing those two things to work against us you're either imagining the future going horribly or you're stuck in a memory of something that didn't go well and so you're constantly in that state of fear using those two things against you how idiotic i think is the yep. appropriate word for that and so 
Yep. One thing I've I've learned along the way is reassociating fear to be a guidance tool. So if you're ever afraid of something, that's the thing to do. And so if I were to, you know, this is my last day, man, we would be we would be talking about what are the things that you're most afraid to do. And let's make a plan to get that done because that is the most important thing to get done. We cannot let fear rule us. We can't let fear dictate what we do or don't do on this planet. That would be a, uh, you know, disrespect to the gifts we've been given. Dude, that is such sound advice. I love that. I mean, I think both components, right? Take care of people, take care of the earth. And then that component of fear, it's something that really, I think through this whole pandemic has become such a reality in so many different ways. Uh, and you're exactly right. I mean, fear, we create the fear and unless we tackle it head on, it'll govern everything we do in our life. And we can't do that. I mean, we just, we, we should not allow ourselves to do that. It is a misuse of just, just like you said, it's a misuse of the gifts that we've been given. Yeah, man. So I, I want to applaud you for what you've been able to do in your life with your family, your businesses, everything that you're doing. I see you facing fear and smashing it, man. So you're, you're inspiring. Well, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you've got a lot on your plate and you're doing some pretty awesome stuff. If people want to get in touch with you or see what you're up to with uh, this new, new journey in your life with the amazing gardening i already forgot what it's called but the gardening and the tiny houses and your real estate journey what's the best way to connect with you yeah man you just go go to the website michaelahuggins.com you start to see all the projects and everything that we're doing there uh we're gonna start running some classes on food forestry and permaculture so um we got old uh lots of blogs up there about how to i have a, a series called your 60 sunrises to success you can go check that out there michaelahuggins.com Awesome, man. Thank you again for taking the time. This has been an awesome episode. And everybody out there, remember, infuse hope to those in need by teaching correct principles that lead to result-driven action. Thanks and make it a great day. Thank you. Come on. Are you tired of using 10 different platforms to manage your CRM, your Google My Business reviews, text campaigns, email campaigns, calendar invites, website builds. I was too. I used ClickFunnels, Kartra, Jotform, Calendly, you name it, I tried it. I came to the conclusion that I needed one software platform that could do all of this in one place. With Sluicebox, I was able to do all of this and more. Go check out sluicebox.io today to change your life and make it that much easier and that much more simple to manage all of your leads all of your customers and everybody in one spot. Sluicebox.io. Are you ready to learn how you can take your life and your business to the next level? Learn how you can create side income and have different assets pay for your life and your lifestyle? Tune in next week to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. This is Dave Deal signing out. Thank you so much and have a great week.